hardest one, the 
uh, and uh, I know that uh, you'll come through in good fashion on that. Our weekly food pantry item is going to be mac and cheese, and of course the food pantry and clothes closet will not be open again till November the 10th and the 17th. Also, uh, we're having a trick or treat, uh, trunk or treat coming up on uh, Sunday evening, and uh, there are some tracks available in the foyer, not about trunk or treat, but about trick or treat. Uh, it's something you can kind of put in the uh, candy. When you give your kids candy, it tells about the church. It's got uh, trick-or-treat on it and so forth. And uh, it's a message to young people. It's a message to parents. It's a message on how to become a Christian. And there's information about the Boonville Church of Christ. So I would encourage you to, as you leave tonight, pick up some of those uh, in our foyer and use those uh, on Monday night. There's going to be a very important teacher's meeting uh, this coming Sunday afternoon at 3.30 in the Annex. Also, there's a Super Saturday coming up for our ladies at Tishomingo Park. Uh, the bus is going to leave from the Annex at 7.45 on Saturday, and there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Uh, if you could sign that list if uh, you're one of the ladies that plans to attend. Now, I've been asked to give special emphasis tonight to our trunk and treat that's coming up this Sunday night. Uh, following our Bible classes. We're going to have a costume contest from the babies all the way up to sixth grade. Uh, pizza's going to be served in the annex, and uh, the costume contest, it says, will begin about 6.30. And uh, what we need, really, is all of you to participate in decorating your trunk uh, however you want to, or if you've just got candy, don't decorate your trunk at all. Just open it up and I'm sure the kids will take the candy anyway, but uh, we need you to plan to participate in that as adults. This is an in-house thing, and we want it to be successful. We want to enjoy a wonderful period of fellowship together, and uh, this will be something good uh, for the congregation. And so lots of trunks are needed, and uh, you can uh, ask Guy or M Amelia Gardner if you need more information about that. I believe that's all the announcements that I have tonight uh, for our devotional. Drew Bruce is going to be leading our singing, and Brother J.T. Beard will lead our closing prayer. Invitation song will be 902. 902 will be the invitation song. Once you get that mark, you can turn to 877. Won't it be wonderful there? Will be the psalm for devotion. 877. Listen. When would the Savior we enter the promises are broken. Some are kept. One thing that's great about our God is that God always keeps his promises without exception. And of course, the greatest promise in the Bible is the promise of salvation. It's the greatest promise because it can remove the greatest curse, which is sin in our lives. You know, Jesus came to this world to take away our sins. He was manifested 
to take away our sins, 1 John 3 and verse 5. And of course, through our obedience to the gospel, we can be saved from the power of sin, Hebrews 2 and verse 14. We can be delivered from the awful pollution of sin, 1 John 1 and verse 7. And we can even be delivered from the terrible penalty of sin, Romans 6 and verse 23. And of course, even the presence of sin can be removed from our lives as we're washed in the Savior's blood. You know, the Bible says in 2 Peter 1 and verse 4 that the promises of our God are exceedingly great and precious. You think about the fact that the Lord holds out for us the wonderful promise of the remission of sins. You think about the fact that the promise of all spiritual blessings being in Christ. You think about eternal life. All these promises are from our God, whom the Bible says cannot lie. I love what the Bible says about God in Hebrews 10 in verse 23. He is faithful who promised. I hope tonight that you really believe in the promises of God. I hope tonight you really believe that God will keep his promises. But of course, you need to understand to enjoy and to benefit from those wonderful promises, you have to obey the gospel. You have to submit to the commands of God. And so tonight, we'll sing a song of encouragement. It may be that you haven't trusted in the promises of God as you should as one of his children. Maybe you strayed away. Maybe there are things that have come between you and God tonight that need to be corrected. We'd be happy to pray for you tonight. Or it may be tonight that you don't know the benefit of these blessings. You can't even conceive of enjoying these blessings because you're outside of Christ. And tonight that can all change if you're willing to obey the gospel of Christ, demonstrating your faith by repenting of your sins and then being immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. So tonight, if you need to respond to the invitation, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing. Father, we're thankful for all the blessings of life. We realize that you're so good to us and you give us uh, things that we stand in need of and you afford us most of the things that we want. We're so thankful and appreciative of the country that we live in for all the benefits that we enjoy, for all the blessings we enjoy. Help us to ever be mindful that these things come from you. We're thankful, Father, for the church here at Boomville. We pray you would continue to bless us, be with our leadership. Help them to make decisions that would cause the church to grow here and throughout the 
the rest of the world. Be with us tonight as we go to our classes. Be with the teachers. Be with those that are instructing our children. Help them to say the things that would be most beneficial to us all. We're also mindful, Father, that we have many in our number that are sick and suffering from different uh, health ailments. We pray that you would be with them and restore them to their health, if it be your will. We also realize that we have some that possibly have lost loved ones. Those that are having all types of difficulties, we, we know that you know their needs and we ask that you would take care of them as only you can. Go with us now as we go to our classes. Help us live better every day is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. While the teachers are going to class, we'll sing Jesus loves the little children. Jesus loves the little technology here. Okay, there we are. All right, great to see you. Hope that you've had a wonderful week and so glad that you could be a part of our study tonight. This is actually the last night of this quarter, so we're going to do our very best to finish up, especially the texts that deal with conversions in the scriptures. Before we do that, though, we have people who are sick we want to be praying for. So I'm going to go over this list, and then if you have someone at the end that you would like to add, we'll put them on the list too. Irene Baker is chronically ill with cancer. Martha Eaton's recovering from foot surgery. I think actually her and Harold went on vacation. So I, I think that's a good indicator right there. Austin Wentz is undergoing a, a terrible series of treatments for his cancer. Ann Stevens and Don Dawson both are in poor health. Kim Fowler's recovering from her foot surgery. Saw her the other day walking on it, so she must be doing pretty well. Sue James died. That's a friend of Rick's. Equipment Wigginton's at Landmark. Wade Davis is still missing. Carolyn and Catherine are recovering. Melinda Hester is recovering from... Her shoulder surgery, and, and she had broken her foot. That's doing great. Uh, she's still at home, probably maybe six more weeks or so before the doctor will release her, and 
uh, just pray, pray for them as I'm sure it's becoming a financial burden. Uh, Bobby Petty, he has lung cancer. Uh, Eric Fitzsimmons is undergoing treatments for blocked arteries. Coley Floyd had shoulder surgery some time ago. Yes. Eric got great so much so that he made even get back to work. Oh, great. That is wonderful. Thank you, Dale. That's wonderful. Great. Uh, Doug Smith's dad, Kelby, uh, is not well. He's been sick for some time. I think Jody's pretty sick right now, too, maybe with the flu. Uh, Cody McGee is recovering from his foot surgery. Vanessa Williams is a member at Snowdown. She has leukemia. My daughter is having her biopsy tomorrow. So I'll let you know as soon as I know something further about that. Ann Langford is Lisa Peake's friend. She has several health problems she's dealing with. Chopper Taylor suffering with severe pain. Uh, Larry Kennedy uh, went to UAB on the 19th, had some biopsies, some other tests. Uh, Rick Warner's granddaughter Marley recovering from her broken arm. Brian Rowland had surgery on his foot. We pray that that's under control with the infection. Especially. Max Cooper's two years old, had both kidneys removed. Cassie Stewart broke her elbow. Danny Ramdahl, who's one of our missionaries in Guyana, he has stage four kidney failure, a 15% um, production with his kidneys. Monica Martindale is 30. She has stage four cancer, recently had surgery. Ben Roberts was taken to, had ended up having to go all the way to Florence to the hospital. He has a, had a very large kidney stone. He had surgery today. So we pray that works out okay. Uh, Mary Hoffman asked, we pray for Cheryl. She's been treated for some debilitating spinal pain. They're giving her injections and so forth, but in a lot of pain. Uh, Diane White is not here. She wasn't sure if she would be or not, but she is not well. Uh, Joyce Morris is in Magnolia with the flu. Is she still there? All I know she is. And the guy Gardner's, uh, they whole family there has the flu. So I guess it's the flu now. So something all the time. Is our immune system is really, really taking a hit. And Bill Davis had I surgery today. Who? Francel Davis. Oh, really? Guess what? She's doing real well. Okay. My granddaughter, Kelly Farr, has the flu. And they suspect Jennifer, her mother, and her brother, Ethan, has the flu. Well, I'm sure you hope it doesn't get to the grandparents. Well, my daughter, Amanda Mitchell, and her husband, Drew, that are in Murfreesboro, they attend Southern Creek Church Christ. They have the flu and their baby, Nora Jane, has the flu. Oh. So that's two of my daughters. I'm so sorry to hear that. It's, it's running around. Yes, Jeremy. I've got two. Uh, my mother's going to be having hip surgery November 9th. Her name's Marilyn. A-R-Y-L-I-N. What's the date? November 9th. She goes for some pre-ops type stuff tomorrow. Okay. But second one is uh, Shadona Tillman. This is a friend of Leanne's. Had... Uh, stroke this past week and in the observations of that they discovered two aneurysms and had surgery on Monday so she's in recovery for about three weeks. Surgery went well.
okay? Brother Ken, I had a, another classmate that passed away. He was connected to the family. But just remember the hope to the family and the whole petition man got it. All right. Okay, let's have our prayer and then we'll begin our study. Father in heaven, thank you for a great day today. And thank you for more blessings than we can count. But the things that we have noticed and been attentive to, we're just so grateful. We thank you right now as we've gone over these sick folks. Of We're thankful for our own health. And we just pray that will continue. And so many people are afflicted right now with viruses. And we just pray, Lord, that... If, if we're infected, that we'll be able to sustain that, deal with it. Bless Irene Baker's family as she has terminal cancer. Comfort them. Bless Martha Eaton in her recovery. We're thankful she's getting out and doing a lot better. Bless Austin Wentz and his treatments. Be with Ann Stevens and Don Dawson, maybe some others that just have chronic illness and pray that they can have good days. Bless Kim Fowler in her recovery. We... Uh, pray for Sue James' family in her death. We pray for Quitman as he's at Landmark. We pray for the Davis family and Wade still missing and still no certainty about what's happened. We pray for Carolyn and Catherine in their recovery. Bless Melinda Hester. Her shoulder and foot will do well. And we pray for the Hester family as they go through pretty tough times right now. Pray for Bobby Petty as he battles cancer. I thank you, Lord, for the good news about Eric. And we just pray that he is doing so much better. And pray that whatever treatment they determine to give him, that that's really being effective. Pray for Coley Floyd and his recovery. Bless Kelby Smith that he can have good days. Pray for Cody McGee and his recovery from his foot surgery. Bless Vanessa Williams as she battles leukemia, pray for Casey tomorrow. She has her biopsy and we just pray that uh, whatever they discover, or whether it's nothing or, or something, we just pray that whatever's indicated, doctors will know exactly what to do. Please be with Ann Langford that she'll have good days and their, her health will improve. We pray for Chopper that his suffering will be lessened and that he can get treatment that's going to help resolve some of that. Pray for Larry Kennedy and his treatment. Pray for Marley that she'll recover well and be able to do the things she enjoys doing. Bless Brian Rowland that he'll be free from infection. Pray for little Max Cooper and that something can be done to help his situation, maybe a kidney can be donated. Pray for Cassie Stewart as she recovers with her broken elbow and other health issues that she deals with every day. Pray for Danny Ramdahl that his kidney function would become better or that a solution will be discovered and we pray your blessings on his ministry. Please be with Monica Martindale and her recovery from surgery. Bless Ben Roberts as he is Recovering from his treatment today for the kidney stone, we pray it was effective. Bless Cheryl Hoffman as she's experiencing debilitating pain. Pray the treatments are effective to help to remedy some of that. Pray blessings on Diane White. She's not feeling well. Bless Joyce Morris that she will recover and get her strength back. Be with the gardeners and their family as they suffer with the flu be with Francil Davis, that she can recover well from her eye surgery and have her eyesight uh, restored and, and as, good as, as good as new. Pray for Ellie Farr and other members of their family that have the flu. We pray that those who have it, that that'll be the end to it, that it won't spread amongst them all. Pray for Marilyn Jones as she's to have hip surgery very soon. And just bless her as she's going through all the preparatory work. Pray that all that goes very smoothly and well. 
Pray for Shadona Tillman that had the stroke that uncovered some aneurysms and now she's had the surgery and we're thankful that medicines progress to the extent that these treatments are possible and we pray that she will have a full recovery and that she'll not have any loss of faculties. We also pray for the Holt family and the death that they have experienced and it just seems like Rick has had a lot of friends and acquaintances to die lately. So we also pray for his heart as he has to, to deal with some of that. Please bless us, Lord, as we are studying together tonight and help, help these studies to equip us and I guess really help us be better students of your word. See what's written here and then make good application of it. And thank you. Thank you for what you give us to equip us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, again, want to thank those that filled in for me while I was gone and I enjoyed our study last week. We have actually three more conversion settings to talk about, so I'm going to do my best tonight to cover those. The first is the Philippian jailer, one of the more famous of those conversion stories. You're going to want to turn to Acts chapter 16. Remember also in this chapter, last week, we saw Lydia converted, the women who were there at the river. Well, after Paul left that setting, turns out that, you know, spreading the gospel and trying to influence people for the Lord, he actually ridded this woman of a spirit of divination. Wow, way to go, man, except that those people who were benefiting from her ability to tell tales, they didn't like it. And so Paul, they're thrown in prison. And you would think, wow, that, that's terrible, you know, that's going to be so upsetting. And here we've just, we've only just begun the efforts in Europe. And now, you know, where's the success? We're just, we're, we're just having a lot of trouble going along here. And it seems like Satan's having his influence. But, you know, even setbacks if God's in it, they're going to result in triumphs. And that's exactly what happens. So we're going to pick up with part of that here in this story with the Philippian jailer. Because it, although Paul and Silas are arrested and they're put in the inner prison and the stocks and the very worst possible situation they could be in, because they have the right spirit, they have tremendous faith, God is able to use that in order to really, I, I think, kind of lay a solid foundation for the work that will result in a powerful work in the city of Philippi. So it says that when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. But I love this text. And if you don't have, if you're in the practice of marking in your Bible, and I hope you'll mark this verse right here, verse 25. Because it says that at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Anybody know what Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says? Rejoice in the Lord God's way and say again, rejoice. That was the first lesson we've done. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, um, here's the thing with Luther. I can never double up on sermons because he remembers every one of them and all of the points and all the texts. So, yes, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice. Listen now. Paul's writing from prison to Philippi, wherein he had been in prison, had been in the stocks. What a most depressing situation. However, he can write to the Philippian church that is an outgrowth of both Lydia and this Philippian jailer. And he can say, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Always. Wait, stop. Is that just a platitude? Is that just Paul saying, pie in the sky in the by and by? Did he live that? From the heart. He lived that from the heart. Here's the example of it. They're in the inner prison. They're being held securely, according to the text. And yet, while they are in that situation, they are praying and singing hymns to God. Is that somebody who, despite the circumstances, still has 
still has joy in his heart? Emphatically, well, at least not your head. I really want you to go, yes, yes. Well, that's exactly right. You're somebody so committed to the Lord in his way. You know what? I might see it one way, but if the Lord is in it, I'm going to be victorious. Even in this situation, I'm going to reach out. They can, they can bind me up all they want to, but they didn't shut my mouth. So I'm going to pray and sing hymns to God. And everybody was blessed as a result of that. I just love that text. Suddenly, there was an earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's chains were loose. That would be a what? Great miracle. <laughs> That's a great verse too. That's a capital M miracle. Huh? And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Stop right there. Is he really going way over the top on this? I mean, why is he wanting to take his sword out and kill himself? Well, he's going to be killed anyway. How do we know that? Acts chapter, you ready? Acts chapter 12, verse 19. How do we know that somebody... Do what? Anger come and got him out that night. Okay. Yeah, that was another prison break. This is Peter. What happened as a result of Peter being freed from that prison? And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. Ooh! And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. Okay, so Peter got free. We're going to go on with his story. But what happened to those jailers? Herod had them put to death. Hey, this guy, we're thinking we're going to put him to death. He's gone, so... That's you. What do you think they were planning to do with Paul and Silas? And so this jailer is like, I'd rather go ahead and take my own life, right? Kind of the, I don't know, quote unquote, the honorable thing to do. I'm taking responsibility. I know what the penalty is going to be. I judge myself. And he's about ready to take his life. Now think about that. Here is a guy who is ready to take his own life. He is outside of the body of Christ. Okay, yeah, appreciate you for your honor and all that stuff. However, if you take your life right this moment, what's going to happen to you? What's the bigger picture about this? Is he going to, is he going to be saved or lost? He's lost. Not, and, and back up. Not just because he commits suicide. We said, whoa, he's committing suicide, so he'll be... He's not being lost because of one sin. He's being lost because of what reason? He because he has not obeyed the gospel. He is about to take his only opportunity to hear the gospel away from himself. And so Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. We haven't escaped, we haven't run away. Hold on there. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Isn't that the question we all want to hear? Yes? What must I do? How did he come up with a question like that? What had Paul and Silas been doing? They've been preaching and singing. Yeah, they've been praying and singing against God. The prisoners were listening to them. Guess who else has been the jailer. Jailer's been... What's, what's the jailer there for? Right? He's overseeing this whole thing. And now he's seeing the most amazing... I'm ready to take my life. And now... Okay, we're all here. We're fine. What do I need to do? You know, what about, what about me? What about... Now think about that. I'm ready to take my... Now I'm ready to do what with my life? You talk about going... From one extreme to the other. Yes, I'm about to die by my own hand and be lost. Now, I'm about to surrender myself to find out what it is I can do to be saved. So they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your households. Now, many people will stop right there and say, there it is. There it is. Believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. You and your household. Let me ask you this question before we go further. 
Is Peter's gospel the same as Paul's gospel? Some people, some people will say, well, now, Peter's gospel was, you know, aimed at the Jews. It was, it was more like law-based, works-based. You do this. However, Paul is the, you know, he's the preacher of the gospel to the Gentiles. And if you'll just read all of what Paul has said, that is the gospel of grace. So you've got a gospel of works and a gospel of grace. And many denominations will say two different gospels. Peter's gospel to the Jews and Paul's gospel to the Gentiles. Ready? Galatians chapter 1 verse 23. And then also we're going to look at Galatians chapter 2 verse 8. You want me to write those down? I can, but it's fancy. Galatians 1, verse 23. And then we're also going to look at chapter 2, verse 8. Okay, read chapter 1, verse 23. But they had heard, but they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which was once he destroyed, which once he destroyed. Okay, which faith is Paul preaching according to this verse? Same one he tried to the one that he tried to destroy. Whose faith was that? Okay, yeah, that was, the, that was the same gospel that Peter was preaching, yes? In fact, if you back up a few verses, actually verses 6 to 9, Paul says, I marvel that you're turning away from the gospel that we preach to you, right? Okay, so right here in this text, Paul says, you know what they're saying? This, this guy, this Paul, he is now preaching the same thing that he once tried to destroy. And we saw that. That was the same gospel that Stephen was preaching, right? Because they stoned Stephen and they laid their coats at whose feet? Saul. Saul of Tarsus, who became this guy, Paul. And then chapter 2, verse 8. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Okay, so the same spirit that inspired Peter to take the gospel to the Jews was the same spirit that did what? Sent Paul to the Gentiles. Now, what, what is so amazing about chapter 2 is that Paul is about to get into the fact that he was carrying on with that gospel to the Gentiles, and Peter's the one who became the hypocrite. Whoa! So, are they preaching the same gospel or not? Absolutely, emphatically, yes. However, here we were in this text, and as I mentioned to you, a lot of people will stop right there and say, well, here it is. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in your household. Okay, let me tell you, first of all, I, I believe exactly what that says. I believe that is absolutely true. If you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be, will be indicates what? You are or you. That's a future pointing statement, Yes. So what we want to know is, how do I get from the place of believing to the salvation? And he tells us, then they spoke the word, stop. What's the first thing we have to do? John chapter 6, verse 45. And they shall all be taught by God. God's going to teach through his word so that people can hear and learn, according to that text, about Jesus. Yes? So they spoke the word of the Lord to him. And to all who were in this house. So it wasn't just the Philippian jailer. Also the people that we're going to find out later are bunched up in disobedience to the gospel. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. He who washed the stripes? The jailer. When he does that, who, let me ask this question. Who is responsible for the stripes to begin with? The jailer. Or if he didn't do it personally, what? It was under his authority. Okay, so he inflicted those wounds. Now that he's washing the wounds, what does that tell you about the heart of this man? He repented. He has repented. He has gone from inflicting it to trying to heal it, to try to make amends for the wrong thing that he has done. He is repenting. Did any of these things ring a bell with you? 
Isn't this kind of the message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost? Right? You've got to hear it, and he preached it. You've got to repent, Acts 2 and verse 38. So he washed their stripes, and immediately he and his family were baptized. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe on is not just mental assent. This is recognizing what one gains in this relationship of belief and obedience. Belief requires action. So immediately he and his family were back. Why immediately? It's urgent. It's urgent. You mean that they weren't saved already? No. It says that they believed in the Lord Jesus and they would be saved. Now because salvation comes when? At baptism, in obedience to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Immediate. Again, why immediate? It's urgent. Why is it urgent now? Because if you die in recognition of that before you obey, I believe, but if you die before you are baptized, what? Well, but what did, you know, they meant to. And so the grace of God will cover that. No, the grace of God is found in the baptism, in the washing away of your sins by the blood. It's the blood of Jesus that washes our sins away, not just our intention to do so. Do we understand that? That's why this was urgent. They were baptized immediately because to wait then would mean I'm risking what? From that, I want to know what to do to be saved. You just told me I'll wait till tomorrow. No, I won't. And when was this, by the way? This was at midnight. Let's see, we're all tired. We've been through a, a, a difficulty. Let's just, no, not wait. It's urgent. I go back to Acts 2, you know, on the day of Pentecost, they that gladly received the word for that day. Yes. And, and we've even got a little of that here in this text. They gladly received his word. Let's see if he was glad about it. Now, when he had brought them, uh, uh, immediately they were baptized. When he brought them into his house, he set food for them, and he did what? He rejoiced. Why did he rejoice? Well, now watch this again. We started off with, believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. Now, it ends with, having believed in God with all his household. His belief, which saved him, actually, and I don't know if you know this word or not. Some of you who are English majors or English teachers probably do. Um, here we are. It's this word right here. Sin. Eh. Synecdoche. Synergy together. And ectomy means to take up. A synecdoche is when one word represents the whole of something that it is a part of. For instance, when the military talks about boots on the ground, well, are they talking about us just dropping a bunch of boots out there? What is the what are the boots represent? Well, the boots and the uniform, the, all of the equipment, and the man that's in the boots, right? The boot represents everything else that we recognize as the soldier. Let's talk about salvation for a minute. I talk about the faith, not just faith as it is in belief, but when I talk about the faith in terms of the doctrine then what is it that I'm talking about? I'm not just talking about mental assent. I believe this. But according to this text, I'm also talking about repentance 
and baptism that results in my desire to rejoice in it. It is the whole package that is a part of our salvation. So he's not just talking about, well, if he would believe, he would have salvation. No, he even goes to the extra step and says, well, what I meant by that was, you know, first of all, we spoke the word to them. And then look what he did in response to that. He repented by washing our stripes. And then they were immediately baptized. That is exactly what was being talked about in terms of their belief. They believed in God with all his household. They obeyed the gospel, and as a result of hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized, what happened to them? They were saved. They were saved. What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus with all your heart, you'll be saved. Oh, okay, I'll do that. But what does that mean? Well, it means, yeah, believe in Him, but you're believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. I had a sermon not too long ago that broke down Lord Jesus Christ. That's more than just... Jesus walking in the flesh. As Lord, what does He require? He's the ruler, right? He requires obedience. Even the devil believes. Even the devil. Even the devils believe and they tremble. Okay, moving a couple of chapters over. You might not even have to flip your page, although in my Bible I do. We're in Acts chapter 18 now. Pretty simple uh, description of events. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia... Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and ran away and said, I'm never preaching the gospel again. Ah, were you following along? That's not what it says. It says that he shook his garments and he said, your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. In other words, he had done what? He had done what was his responsibility to do, right? Our responsibility is what exactly? And by now, you ought to know. Our responsibility is to teach it. Are you responsible if they respond to that gospel or not? Now, if you, now if you have done something to the gospel, if you have adulterated it in some way, then I would say their blood is on your hands. Because you have created... An affront to the gospel. But when you lay the gospel out there and you stand back from it, you've done what was your responsibility. You carried the gospel to the person. Don't, don't, don't refuse somebody's opportunity to hear it. You say, well, Ken, I know this person and they would never accept the gospel. How do you know that? Unless you share it. And if they don't respond to it favorably, you have still done your part, yes? Because your part is to carry the gospel, to, to give it. If they reject it, that is not on you. Paul says, hey, that's not on me. I'm clean. So from now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. What does that tell you about justice? He was a seeker. Okay, he's a seeker. Um, probably, probably not a worshiper. He may, he may be like Cornelius. Yes. Where was Cornelius in regard to the place of worship? He's next door, right? And he is, he is loving the idea of a God, this God of the Jews. However. You know, he, he never had become a Jew. It took Peter coming uh, to his house and sharing the gospel with him before he ever obeyed it. Now here is this guy. He's also kind of connected there. He's one who worships God, whose house was next to the door of the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue. What's a ruler of the synagogue? What is that? Okay, has authority. Um, this is this is one uh, way to describe it. He was probably like the chief elder of that group there in Corinth. You need a leader. The ruler, yes, the ruler, the leader, 
the chief elder in this case actually was the guy who presided over the service. Is that a big deal? He presides over the worship service? Yeah, that's a big deal. What happens with this guy? Oh, he's ruled the synagogue. He believes on the Lord with all his household. Oh, there it is again. Let's talk right there. He believes on the Lord. Is he saved? No, but but I could take this text, and that's exactly what that would mean if that word believe right there is a what? You know the word you said it a moment ago, a synecdoche, right? If that's a synecdoche, then I would probably find out a little bit later that there's more to it than that, and actually in the very next breath, right? Many of the Corinthians, wait, what? Rulers of God believed in the Lord Jesus? Oh, the Lord with all his household. Sounds similar. And many of the Corinthians, what they do? Hearing, believe, and what? And we're baptized. What does it mean to believe in the Lord Jesus in this context? It, it's the process. It is the faith. It's the doctrine. It isn't just mental to say, oh, I believe in Jesus. No. I believe in Jesus to the extent that whatever Jesus commands me to do, I will do because I want to be I want to be saved. So what was involved in believing on the Lord? They heard. You hear? Does that make sense? John 6, 45. They shall all be what? Taught by God. They're going to hear and learn from the Father so that they can know and believe in Jesus. Hear, uh, heard, whatever that, what is that word? It looks like head. Uh, let's say here. Here, believe. Do you know if belief is important? You know belief is the qualifier for the gospel. I've tried to emphasize this a lot. From Romans chapter 1 verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it. The gospel is the power of God to salvation for whom? For everyone who believes. You can't obey the gospel unless you do what first? Believe. Belief is the threshold condition before you can even obey the gospel. You can't, you can't, in other words, you can't just go grab somebody and dunk them in the water. They'd be saved, right? No. Not a lot of people believe that. Some people think you're saved, then you just kind of a little bit later get dunked in the water. That's not, that doesn't even make sense. Not in terms of the gospel. Because it's the baptism that does what your sins. Washes them, washes them away. Romans chapter 6 verse 7. Right? He who has died has been freed from sin. In that context, what's the death? Baptism. It's baptism. Verses 3 and 4. It's the form of doctrine that sets us free from the slavery of sin. Verses 17 and 18 of that same chapter. So we hear, we believe... And then, of course, belief is threshold action that makes it possible for us to obey the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. Or is there another word for that? Baptism. That's exactly what happened here. They heard it. They believed it. And they were baptized. Okay, so there are some disciples of John. It happened while Paul was at Corinth that Paul had passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, now watch this series of questions. I think this is pretty instructive for us. Uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, another question, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Okay, know anything about John's baptism? And isn't it interesting, he meets these guys, he immediately starts asking questions. He wants to know where they are spiritually. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize. 
I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Okay, Mark 1, 4 to 8. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and, and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with a camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Okay. John is baptizing, and what is the re end result of his baptism? It is a baptism of repentance. Luke chapter 3 says it is a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And then some people read like, oh no, whatever, what, I, I don't get it, I don't understand, I don't see the way, blah, 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 blah. This kind of blows my mind. I, if it blows your mind, wonderful. If it doesn't, if you just go, man, I know that. Peace. Acts chapter 13, verse 24. I think this text right here answers every question about John the Baptist, Baptist. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Whoa, wait. He preached that to who? Israel. 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 Okay. The law of Moses was for what people? The whole world? Jews. Jews. John's baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, by the way, he was a precursor to Jesus Christ, preparing the way of the Lord to make it possible for the day of Pentecost, the awakening of the Jews, supposedly. Um, who was he preaching to? All the people. He also was just preaching to Israel. Why did these guys here not know about, for instance, baptism for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit? The the fulfillment of the promise that was made to Abraham. How come they didn't know anything about that? Because they are Jews who at one time obeyed the law of Moses, had been introduced to the idea of the coming Messiah, even in their own time, and had been baptized for, the repentant, for repentance, for the remission of their sins. However, had they been baptized into the gospel that was delivered for the whole world? The answer is no, no, they had not. How did Paul come up with that idea? How do you even know that? Because he asked a bunch of questions. Yes. Then Paul said, John the baptized with the baptism of repentance for you Jews, saying to the people, Jews, that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. John was preparing people for whom? For Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. To be baptized in the name or by the authority of the Lord Jesus is to be baptized how? For the forgiveness of your sins. Wait a minute. I thought they'd already received that. Had they received that in the name of Jesus? The answer is no. No. And when Paul had laid, whoops, there he goes, laying hands again. You mean when they were baptized, they didn't receive miraculous abilities to be able to raise people from the dead and such? No, because that isn't the gift that was given. In order to get that gift, you had to have what? Lay on the apostles' hands. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Acts chapter 6, verse 6. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. This text, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Romans chapter 1, verse 11. All of those indicate you could work a miracle unless an apostle of Jesus Christ laid their hands on you. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid their hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke with tongues and prophesied. 
Now the men were about 12 in all. The end, period. Yay! Now you have seen every conversion story in the book of Acts. What are you going to do with that? You're going to share it, yes? Not your head this way. Just going to shelve it, Ken. We'll hear about the book of Acts later again some other time. No, don't do that. We want to take what we know and we're responsible. Yes, didn't we learn that? Responsible to get that out. Whether they respond to it or not, that blood's not on my hands unless I'm getting in the way of it. Let's don't do that. Let's have a prayer and we'll be dismissed, okay? Father, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for our time of study. And thank you, Lord, that we could study this particular book and this series of, of instructional stories. We pray, Lord, that we'll use this knowledge to expand your kingdom. Just give us the courage to reach the people who are in our circle of influence. Please bless us with safe travel. And if it's your will, give us a new day and more opportunities. In Jesus' name, amen.